There is a title this morning, and we're going to have two parts that really, part one, and we're going to journey through that lickety-split, because it really lays the foundation for what I'm calling the takeaways. That means, what is God saying to you and I this morning? Uh, What is it that we want to have in our lives invested in us as we grow as brothers and sisters in Christ? The title, if you can see it uh, here, I know those are in the backs a little bit, so we're going to kind of walk it through, is rejoicing in raw deals. You know, when things are looking a little sour, and you say, what in the world can we do in this circumstance? It's, it's not so good. Well, God says we can rejoice in it. And you say, oh my, this is, this is hard to swallow. I'd like to, to bring a text verse that we'll look at, familiar verse, And uh, it really picks up what we have just said here, rejoicing in raw deals. James begins his letter in the book of James, chapter 1. In verse 2, he says, Consider it all joy, my brethren. Okay, well, first of all, (laughs) brethren. So we're talking to you folks this morning. If you're a believer, how many brethren we got here? Okay, okay. Uh, what are the rest of you? <laughs> okay, if you're a believer in Christ, you're a brethren, okay? That, I don't mean the, the brethren in Christ, the denomination. I mean brethren in Christ. How many brethren now, okay? If you're, okay. All right. If, you, if you're a believer, this is for you. And that's what James is telling us. He says, my brethren, consider it all joy when? When you encounter various trials. Now, a trial is something that's really shaking us to the root. It's shaking our faith. And, and that's one of those hard things. You know, we have the easy trials. We have the tough ones. You know, that sickness that's uh, pretty dire. And the doctor doesn't give us much hope. And when separation comes or job di- disappointment or family disruption, some of those, they really can be a shaking. All right? And all of us are going through those uh, from day to day, some greater, some lesser, but every single one of us experiences them. Amen? I have a testimony there. Okay. In fact, we got some testimony cards. Now, how many got an arrow this morning? Okay. All right. We're, we're getting a little loose this morning. But um, when you agree here, you know, when things are going good here, when you say, hey, that's right, amen, that's a good deal, put it up, okay? When you say, hey, that's a raw deal, okay? If you're saying, I don't know what to think on this, when you put it like that, that means I don't know, okay? But here's God's word to us this morning. James again says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And, and here's the truth that God's getting at. God, yes, he's concerned with the day-to-day experiences of your life. He, he knows each detail, and he's concerned about them. But ultimately, what God wants to do is bring them all together as you journey through this walk on earth with Christ, as your Savior, and bring you into maturity and strengthening as a believer. So that one day when he says, okay, time is up for you folks, home you go. 
that we will be as strong and, and as like Christ-like as, as we possibly can. That's his desire. That's why he's leaving us here. That's why we're here today, isn't it? And we're speaking really to the, the family now, the family in Christ, okay? And if you're not, jump on the bandwagon at the end because we're going to have an opportunity. But this is for the believer this morning, okay? So consider it all joy, brethren, when you go through these trials. Why? Because there's good things coming at the end. I know what I'm doing, God says. I love you. I care for you deeply. And I will help you through because I want to make you strong in the power of my son. And so that's, that's our thought for, for today. Now, how are we going to get there? There's an illustration that helps us to bring this together. And it was something that uh, I saw 40 years ago when we had the youth group. And we're down in New Jersey. And we had a little film. And it showed a group of young people that were taking a canoe trip down the Colorado River. And this is the first time they've done that sort of thing. And so they all were packed up and had all their goods, uh, their camp out gear in the canoes. And they had compasses. And so as they're journeying along on the Colorado River, they look at their compass, and all of a sudden now it's, it's pointing west. And then they go down a few more turns, and they look, and now it's going east. And then a couple more yards down, a few rapids, now it's pointing south. And the compass was going all over the place. Now, you stop there, and you look at moment by moment, and you say, what's going on here? What kind of a trip are we taking? First, we're going west, then east, and then south, and then back west again. What's going on? But if you took yourselves back as God would see, and we can see it with the privilege of a map today, look at the Colorado River from God's viewpoint. He says, hey, don't worry about it. You're going from north to south. I see journeys end from beginning to end. And that's really what God would want us as believers to start to grasp a hold of. Yeah, he's concerned with the moment-by-moment things, but, and we're going to see here at the end, God knows what he's doing with all these day-to-day experiences. The bumps and bruises you're going through aren't for naught. And God can use them and bring you through them and make you stronger in the process and bring you out at the journey's end far more powerfully than you ever have dreamt, and use you to his glory and honor. So that's what we're going to look at. We're looking today at that little story and that illustration with the life of Joseph. Now this isn't Mary's Joseph, okay? The Christmas time Joseph. This is the Joseph of the Old Testament. Let me pardon the reaches. The Joseph of the Old Testament. Joseph was one of the 12 sons of Jacob or Israel. You know, sometimes you read, who's Jacob, who's it? One and the same. And so let's open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 37. Now, this is one of those messages you've got to capture the whole thing from beginning to end to see the big picture. That's what we're really doing today. We're seeing the Colorado River from from north to south, the whole journey. And it's really difficult to just jump in the middle and say, here's the message, because we've got to see the whole thing. So we're going to do a hop, skip, and jump through here. Got your sneakers on this morning? Okay. We're going to quickly look at, actually, 13 chapters, just doing a few stops through here on the way, 
to see what's going on in Joseph's life. Chapter 37 of Genesis begins his journey. Okay? And so let's take a look. If you've got your Bibles, please do, because I'm a Bible guy. And uh, if you have your Bible, just follow along, uh, and you can kind of make notes if you would. But Joseph was one of the 12 sons, as we said, of Jacob or Israel. He was the youngest of them all. And he had well, a little bit of a problem in that he was the favored son. And the other brothers knew that, and they were jealous, right, and envious. And so not only that, but he had a, a gift, and that was he could interpret dreams. Okay? And so let's pick up here in, in Genesis, and down in verse uh, uh, 2, it says, Joseph brought back a bad report about his brothers to the father. Uh-oh. that sound good to you? Uh, how about our cards? that sound like it's, uh, it's off to a good start or not? Not so good, huh? Not, not, yeah. All right, we got one, we got one. Not so good. So a bad report. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, and then verse 3 says, Now Israel, or Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his sons, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. Okay? So off to a not very good start. A little bit of jealousy and envy going on, and, you know, it's some, the Smothers Brothers used to say to Tommy, he said, to, <laughs> you know, Mom loved you better. Well, that was Joseph. Then we move on and in verse 4. And it says, his brothers saw that the father loved him more than all his brothers, so they hated him and could not even speak to him on friendly terms. Going too well for Joseph? No, not so good. Not too good yet. No, Joseph's having a little problem coming out of the box. So then we move on, and uh, Joseph, it says in verse 5, had a dream, and he told it to his brothers. And what did they do? Cheer and applaud? No. They hated him even more, says the word. He told them the dream. What is that dream? Verse 7 says, Behold, we're binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheave, this is Joseph speaking now, rose up and stood erect, and behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my head. Whoa! Is he winning favor with his brothers? That's, that's the good. No. No. Okay. You're all catching the flavor here. Let's see what's going on here, our journey. Our journey is just getting a good start. Joseph had this gift, interpreting dreams. And here we just read it in verse 7. Brothers, your bundle are all bowing down to me as the bundle of grain. Well, they got the drift of that one. They said, Woody, who are you to stand up and say one day you're going to be leader over us? Okay, we, we move on. Down to verse 37.22, now the brother's envy is growing, and they're seething inside, and all turmoil, and they we're going to do something with this guy. We've we got to get him out of our hair. He's, he's really bothering us. And the envy grew, and so they said, let's uh, take him out and put him in a pit and kill him. Yeah, it was getting serious for Joseph. Not so good, right? Getting, getting serious. And then they said, well, you know... 
we don't want to do this. He's still one of the family. We don't want to kill him. Let's sell him to these traders, the Midianites or the Ishmaelites. These traders, a caravan is coming through, and uh, let's make a deal. Let's sell them and get them out of our hair forever, for good. And so down here uh, in verse uh, 27, I guess we're looking at 22 and 27. Reuben said, no, shed no blood. Let's throw him in the pit in the wilderness. Do not lay hands on him. So they took off that very colored tunic that his father made, made it look like he was killed by animals, bloodied it up so they'd take it back to their father and say, look, Joseph's gone, too bad. You know, he, he got attacked. But in the meantime, they allowed the Ishmaelites to take him and sold him as a slave. Where is he going now? Well, don't look. Not so good. Not too good at this point for Joseph. So as they continue now in our story, we move up to chapter 39. Okay? Still with me? We okay? We doing all right? So here's Joseph taken now out of the pit by these Midianite traders into the land of Egypt. Now, here's the thing. We're stepping back for a little bit here. Yeah, good one. I say, I don't know. This is what I think. Put that one up again. Okay, this is like, I'm not sure where we're going with this one, so she put a good one. So here we are now. God and his wisdom and knowledge of what's going to befall the whole nations in, in a few years, there's going to be a severe famine coming. And that included Jacob and the 11 that were in the land of Canaan. And he realized that for a long period, seven years, there was going to be no grain growing. What do you see God starting to do now? Here comes Joseph, a guy anointed of God, loved of God, sold to the Midianites, and where do they take him? Into Egypt. And so free transportation now is being arranged for Joseph to a new land. So we pick it up there. Where is he going? Verse 39, uh, chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian soldier uh, and uh, officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, bought him from the Ishmaelites and took him. Now here we go on where is God in all this. We've had a lot of problems, haven't we? Where's God in the midst? It doesn't look like a whole lot of good things. Is God working in Joseph's life? All right, you're right. You you read this before, but okay. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. See that? Here he is now, sold as a slave, taken by Potiphar, but in the meantime, Potiphar says, man, something's going on with this guy. He's got wisdom and sensitivity, and understanding, and truthfulness, and sincerity. Uh, and God's blessing was on him. Favor was upon Joseph. And uh, verse 4, Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And then Potiphar, this, this captain under Pharaoh, king of Egypt, okay, see what God's doing? Can you see behind the scenes? I don't know what it does for you folks, but I'll tell you what, this encourages my faith to see God at work behind the scenes. You know, can you start to grasp that? 
get a picture of what God is doing behind the scenes without our really knowing it, but by faith, you see what he's doing? Joseph found favor in his sight, became a personal servant, and made him overseer of his house, and all that he owned, he put him in charge. That's, that's definitely thumbs up, huh? Good things here, a good deal. Good deal's coming forth. What happens next? Well, the lady of the house. Yeah, here we go. Talk about a, a modern-day book. Here's the lady of the house. Day after day, Potiphar is off to work. She's there by herself, getting lonely. Oh, woe is, woe is me. And here's this, he was only 17 years old at this time. Young, strapping man, Joseph, handsome, the Bible says. Good-looking guy. Here he is, taking care of all the affairs of the house. And here's Potiphar's wife now, who finally one day, verse 11 now, it happened one day, he went into the house to do his work, no one else was there, she caught him by his garments and said, lie with me. And he left the garment in her hand and fled outside. Well, that wasn't so good for, but he did the right thing. You know, he, he, he responded correctly. But what happens next, here comes Potiphar home. And what does she say? Hey, this guy came and seduced me. And uh, I screamed and he fled. And look, here's his coat. And so here's now his husband Potiphar, just furious, believing his wife's lie, and takes Joseph. And where does he go next? Prison. Prison. You say, what, what's God doing here? What, what's happening to Jonas? So now we go from slavery, sold as a slave to Potiphar, captain, and now, excuse me, we've got to turn the page. I can do this right. Losing the cue cards here. Commercial break, there we go. God it all joy. Amen. God it all joy. All right. Okay. Are we okay? Good. Gains favor with Potiphar, and now here comes the wrong accusement that's coming, Potiphar's wife. Into jail he goes. And let's just look there, verses 39 and 11. Chapter 39, verses 11 and 12. Now it happened one day, went in the house, none was in there. She caught him by his garments, said, lie with me. And uh, then Joseph, master took him, put him in jail, the place the king's prisoners confined, and there he was put into the jail cell. But Joseph receives favor again. Was God mindful of that, uh, that lie, that sinister plan that was being laid at his footsteps? No fault of his own. He was doing the right thing, a godly response. Was God in, in charge of things? Was he seeing what was going on in Joseph's life? Yes. He receives favor from the Lord and the jailer. And so if we look there a couple verses in verse uh, 21... Uh, the Lord was with Joseph, extended kindness to him, 
and gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. Well, we're going to cut to the chase real quick here because I want to get to what comes forth out of this. Doesn't look very good, but as we continue to read over Joseph's life, he tells the two jailmates, one was the, the baker and one was the cupkeeper, he said, you guys had a dream. I can interpret that dream. And he told those two folks what their dreams meant. The cupbearers had a pretty good dream. The baker was not a good dream, and he ended up dying on a gallows. But the cupbearer remembered Joseph interpreting the dreams. And after two more years in jail, when Pharaoh had a dream, and what is, what is Joseph's gift? Interpret dreams. And he just said to these two jailers, uh, to the jailmates, I can interpret dreams, and he did, and they were impressed. Pharaoh said, who in the land can interpret my dream? Joseph. And so the cupbearer brings Joseph into Pharaoh's presence. And in verse uh, 29, here's the dream that uh, Pharaoh had. Um, Seven years of great abundance are coming in the land of Egypt, and after that, uh, seven years of famine. There was the lean cows and the the, the uh, fat cows, and, and Joseph interpreted that, seven of them, seven years. And Pharaoh was, was really shaken on this because he says, this is, this is not a typical dream. Something's going on here. I don't know who this God is, but something's happening in my heart. He's speaking to me. And so Joseph interprets that dream to him. And how impressed then... was Pharaoh that he positions Joseph second highest in all of Egypt. Out of jail to the second of command of all of Egypt. And so he, he then said to, to Joseph, you know, if these seven years of plenty are coming, what do we do? Joseph said, I have a plan. We will make great storehouses. And in those seven years of plenty where crops are abundant, we will fill the storehouses with all kinds of grain and foodstuffs. And then when the seven years comes, we can draw from that and keep the the country of Egypt alive and even other nations. And so lo and behold, what happens in, in in the sovereignty of God? That famine spread throughout all of Egypt and into the land of Canaan. Here's Jacob and the 11 brothers. We're hungry too. We are starving. We're going through famine. But I hear that in the land of Egypt there is food. Let's go. Not knowing that it was their own brother, the son of Jacob, who was now sitting in command of all that was going on in Egypt under the Pharaoh. They go, of course, you you remember the story. They didn't recognize him at first. Uh, Joseph's heart was broken because he recognized them, but ultimately... Joseph, and this is the verse that I want to capture us with this morning and then move on. Notice what the the great response is at the end of the story. Joseph saves the nation of Israel because they were starving to death. God said, I promised to, to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob that this nation would be as numerous as the stars of the heavens. 
and as the sands of the beach. And yet here they were ready to starve, except God used Joseph to bring forth this great plan and to save with, with food. So here comes the whole family of, of the 11 brothers and Jacob and their wives and their family into, into Egypt. And notice when they sat before Joseph, and down at verse uh, 18 of chapter 50, right at the end of this book of Genesis. Here's the, here's the, to me, the ultimate truth of what God was bringing us. The brothers came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we're your service. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for I am, am I in God's place. As for you, and this is the one that just highlight in your hearts, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. What an awesome God we have. When we looked at all those many arrows, raw deal, raw deal, lies, selling as a slave, was God in charge of things ultimately? What a good God we have. What a, a wise and in loving God we have. I, I just rejoice in, in when I, I see that wonderful truth. I'd like to just share a couple takeaways as we look at Joseph's life. What does it mean to you and me now? We, hopefully our faith is saying, oh God, you're, you're so good when I saw that whole journey's end from beginning to end and how you rescued the nation you promised, your people, the, the nation of Israel. Let's just look at real quick four, and I think we have a few scripture verses. We'll just hit these touch and go real quick. But four touching uh, takeaways that I'd like to, to leave in your hearts this morning. What do we have in this account? Number one, Joseph was humble in his heart, and God blessed him. I'm looking at a, a scripture that says that truth to us in the book of 1 Peter. And just listen to this, how God notices the humble heart. His children, who aren't of the boastful and prideful nature, but are humble and, and walk in humility. It says, You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You know, what a wonderful truth that is as we look at Joseph's life, uh, all of these hard circumstances that he went through, these true trials that he was going through. But God said, bear up, hold on, that I may exalt you at the proper time. And in the meantime, cast all your care on me, because I care for you. That's what we were being challenged to do this morning. Brother Bill said that many times, and I just felt that that's exactly what the Holy Spirit would have for us today. Each one of us, keep on casting your care upon him, because he cares for you. Joseph was humble in heart, and God blessed him. 
Joseph, secondly, received the favor of God. You know, one of the greatest things we can walk with as believers is favor. Jesus had said, increased in wisdom and in stature and favor with God and men. And that's a wonderful thing that God gives to his children. Look at Psalm 5, verses 11 and 12. But you who take refuge in you, in God, be glad. Let them ever sing for joy, and may you shelter them, that those who love your name may exalt you. For it is you who blesses the righteous man, O Lord. You surround him with favor as with a shield. I like that truth. God's got a shield around us with his favor. And his favor is upon you, folks, because you're his blessed ones. And his favor then extends into the lives of men and women around us. That is a wonderful thing as a believer that you can walk in. God says that. Psalm verses uh, 33 and 36 of chapter 8 likewise says, Heed instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at my doorposts. For he who finds me finds life and obtains favor of the Lord. Wonderful truths here. God desires, as he did with Joseph, to give us favor. And then, thirdly, Joseph exercised his God-given talent. What was that talent he had? He interpreted dreams, but he was willing to use that gift. And, you know, the Bible says much about whatever it is that God has gifted you with. You may be a driver of a fork truck, but you know, if that's your gift, listen to what God has to say. You may be a teacher. Uh, You may be a farmer. Uh, Whatever it is that God gives you to do. You may be, right now at this moment, a student. But listen to what God says as you take that gift seriously and use it. Proverbs 22, verse 29. Did you see a man skilled in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. Joseph had the gift of interpreting dreams better than anyone else because God had given that gift. He used it. And who did he stand before? A king. King of Egypt. Colossians chapter 3 says very similar to us this morning. I'm looking at the New Testament book of Colossians. Bill, you're doing so great keeping up with me. God bless you there this morning. But here's wonderful practical instructions to us and and advice and encouragement to us. In chapter 3 of Colossians, verse 22, it says, Slaves, meaning today employees, in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. And then this wonderful truth here, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. And so I just close with this this little reminder here in the book of Philippians. 
And it says this in chapter 2, verse 5, Have this attitude in yourselves. Here again for the believer, for those in Christ. Have this attitude in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself and took the form of a bondservant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The raw deal of all eternity was there at the cross. And yet God in his wisdom and love for you and for me brought forth salvation, brought forth eternal life, a right standing with him forever. And that's why he says in verse 9, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. I just trust that these few moments that we've spent running through the life of Joseph, you can just appreciate again and let your faith grow and enlarge in how good God is in his wisdom and his watch care over your life events. And just as these verses have been sharing to now in the New Testament and the life of the believer, God does work all things together for good. Would you just let God minister that truth to your heart, encourage you as you journey, and, uh, and let him be your encouragement as you leave today and go through next week and the days ahead. Those hard places, one day you will say they are worth it all because God has taken care of everything for me in a wonderful way. Father, I thank you, Lord, for these few brief moments. We've, we've had a lot of of motion through the word this morning. I thank you for the patience of my brothers and sisters this morning. And we, we did a lot of traveling. But Lord, as we look at the life of Joseph again, may we just be encouraged by how good you are as a loving God, an all-wise God, an understanding God. And for our betterment, not for our harm, do you allow these trials to come our way. Thank you, Father, that they're for an ultimate good that one day we'll stand in the presence of Jesus and say, Lord, it has been worth it all. And we just praise you even now, Lord, as we look down the road and say thank you, Lord, for one day when life's journey ends. We thank you for the journey now, Lord, because we can rejoice in how you take care of us. We don't have to fear and worry, but we do cast all our care on you, for you care for us. And so, Lord, bless these dear people this morning. And if there's just one or two this morning, say, boy, I've really never jumped on the boat. I really have latched on to Jesus and, and trusted him personally as my Savior. Even now, Lord, might they say, oh, God, remember me. Remember this life here that is crying out to you. I trust you today, Lord. I believe in you, and I'm giving you my life to take all the pieces, all the fragments, and put them together and make me the kind of child, the man and the woman that you want me to be, to your glory and honor. Save me, Lord, for Jesus' sake. In Jesus' name.